Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. I'm back. Thanks for your patience this week. I'm sure you're just waiting with bated breath. It's like, just kidding. You're not, probably. But um, I was in San Francisco last week, and so because of my traveling over the weekend, I was not able to record a podcast, I'm sorry to say. I actually had great plans to record a podcast episode with someone, a friend of mine, uh, one or a few of my friends in San Francisco, but I didn't get around to it, sadly. It'll happen eventually. Don't worry. These wise voices will, will come join us at some point. I wanted to start off by reading a quick thing here by Henry Now, and when I was on the airplane... I was reading some Henry Nowen and some poetry and things like that. It was great. My trip was lovely. It was so wonderful. I'll talk about more about that in a few minutes here. But I wanted to read this quote to you because it was so it was such a good follow-up to last week's episode about vulnerability being hospitality of the self. Um so I'll read this to you. He this is a letter that Henry Nowen wrote to a friend of his. He writes In order to live a hospitable life, not just a hospitable year, you need a lot of time for yourself to read, to write, to study, to meditate, to pray, to just be alone. If you do not claim that for yourself, you are not hospitable enough because you do not create the quiet, restful place where people can find healing. So I just wanted to put that out there. It was like such a perfect quote for this week because not only is that what we talked about last week, but, um, and I wonder if that's been a helpful concept for you about hospitality of yourself, but also this trip that I took to San Francisco was this tremendously quiet, peaceful, lovely space, um, that my kind, loving, generous husband, uh, told me I, you know, not only did he release me, he said, you have to go. I needed some quiet space. I needed a little, a little breathing room, a little fresh air from the many hours of work stuff that I have in my life here in Philadelphia. So thank you to my husband who freed me to do that and basically shoved me out the door and took care of our children while I did it. And, um, also thank you to San Francisco the whole city, all of its people, all of its restaurants, all of its coffee places and chocolatiers. Um, what, oh my gosh, if you live in San Francisco and you're listening to this, I enjoyed your city so much and I can't wait to come back. I walked like over 40 miles while I was there probably on by foot. I like took the city by foot and I'm so grateful for that time. And I had so much peace and quiet and what I found in that quiet can't be measured. So thank you um, to all those who made it possible. And you now, my friends, my listeners, will benefit from said space and quiet, I hope. So um, I want to talk today. This is episode 14 today. And this episode is called What My Bucket List Taught Me About the Beginner's Mind. So everyone knows what a bucket list is. Hopefully it's the things that you want to do before you die. It's like the things that you just feel like you have to do. So there are two things on my bucket list uh, that I want to talk about. But so here's where we're going to go in this episode. 
some linear thinkers like to know where we're going so that you know where we're going to end up. So here's where we're going, because this is a very confusing title. But um, we're going to talk about what the heck the beginner's mind is, first of all. That's not something everyone knows about. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about curiosity. We're going to talk about San Francisco. We're going to talk about a man named Irvin Yalom, who is a brilliant therapist. And we're going to talk about um, how to approach life with a beginner's mind and what my bucket list taught me about the beginner's mind. Okay, so that's where we're going. And then there will be invitation blessing as per usual at the end. So what is the beginner's mind? I want this is kind of a this is a very uh, mindful, meditative, uh, conscious way of living, basically. But what it really is is it means you come at something with a learner's posture, and what it really this is kind of this is my very articulate definition of what a beginner's mind is. It means you approach life with. Um, this mind that shows up, this like attention, this attentive mind and conscious mind um, that shows up to any person or experience or event or whatever, and it's rooted in wisdom with which the past has gifted you. So it's rooted in the past and the wisdom of the past, while it also comes with this like curious, fresh approach, these fresh eyes as if you have never seen this thing before. And you come at it with as much of a learning mind as you did the very first time you came. Part of this, in case it's not obvious, is really just about never mastering something, the gift of never arriving. We've kind of talked about this before. But the beginner's mind means that you have the gift of never arriving, that you're constantly in a process, which terrifies a lot of people. Um, but you're in a constant process where you're always expanding and you're always fertile soil. And there's always something to sprout up. There's always room for expansion. So please never underestimate curiosity in your life. Even old things have a seriously generative quality. Generative meaning fruitful, fertile, um, creative potential type stuff. Just this total potential for expansion. Curiosity produces expansion. If you come at something feeling like you've got this thing figured out, you will never learn something new about that thing. If you come at a person thinking you understand them or... Um, that all the work is done that can be done, it will lead you to a brick wall. It will lead you to stasis and you won't probably find expansion and maybe expansion scares you. Maybe fertility of the mind and soul and heart scare you. I don't know. Um, Maybe you shouldn't be listening to this podcast if that's the case. No, you should listen to this podcast. You should listen to this podcast because I want, I, I love you and I would, I want you to find life. I want you to be seen because I believe that's where life is. Like that's the real stuff right there. It's found with curiosity. So 
I am really, I love this idea. Like I, I love, I'm a very curious person. Um, one of my grad school professors said to me one time, I actually was a writing major in college and I thought about being a journalist and I was a minor in psychology. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a counselor or a journalist. And one of my grad school professors <laughs> said to me, if this counseling thing doesn't work out, journalism is your way to go because you are a very curious person and that's a gift. So I am a very curious person, I confess. So this is easy for me. So I'm going to try to approach you um, and this topic with the awareness that not everyone is me. So that's that. Um, have you ever heard of Anthony Bourdain? He, he's this guy who is a chef and he's pretty famous. Um, you might've heard him of him through television. He has a bunch of shows like unknown parts unknown. Um, he has a layover show about like the best places to visit and the best foods to eat when you're at a layover in a major city in the world. And basically this guy he is one of my favorite, he's like one of my heroes of the world because he loves travel and he loves food and he loves people. And it's hard to tell which one of those three he loves most. That's how much he loves them. So one of uh, our favorite shows is this show Parts Unknown because this guy travels the world. He goes to these, any place, like he'll go anywhere basically. And he will... Um, I always say that this is just something I did in San Francisco. Like you've never, I, I feel like you've never really seen a city until you've walked it and you've eaten in a lot of restaurants that aren't famous. Um, or maybe are famous, but also, especially the ones that are kind of like holes in the wall or ones without signs, that kind of thing, like hiding behind a garage or something. Um, but anyway, so Anthony Bourdain, he does this, he has this great show. If you want to check out his show, Parts Unknown, which is such an awesome show. It's on Netflix. And anyway, all that to say, he, I was, we were watching this episode. I think it was the, I think it was an episode about Korea town in a California city. I don't remember which, I'm sorry. But he was talking about, oh, it was LA. Yeah, of course. Um, but he was talking about, um, he, he, they went to this this burger joint he went with this guy who lives there and he went through the drive through and he ordered this i think it was called the aloha burger it was like a um it was like a really high population of people from like polynesian and and the philippine like countries like this like really diverse asian and different kinds of populations and um, he went to this burger joints drive through and he eats this burger that has, it's kind of an exotic burger. And he eats this burger and he just sits there in silence. This guy who's with him, he watches him. He sits there, he's eating this burger in silence. And then he finishes the burger and the guy says, what do you think? And he says, there are just so many things that I don't know. That was like my favorite sentence Anthony Bourdain has ever said. It was so fabulous. I, I literally like sighed heavily when I heard him say that. That is the beginner's mind. There are so many things that we do not know. 
So what does this have to do with San Francisco? So I have two things on my bucket list that now have check marks next to them. I have more than just two things checked off, don't worry. But um, I'm making my way. But um, I one of those things was I really wanted to go to Muir Woods. Muir Woods is a redwood forest in the San Francisco, in the Bay Area. And um, it I've heard about it before. Some of my friends have visited. My husband's been there. I had never been there. And from everything that I heard, it's not just the kind of like touristy place that everyone has to visit. It's like spectacular, uh, unforgettable thing. It's this cathedral. I can say from experience now, this is this cathedral of redwoods that is untouched by human hands. Like, you know, these great things of the world that men have built are great. There is something completely different about this forest. It is untouched by human hands, except for this little like walkway made out of boards. They call it the boardwalk. But um, in these woods, so um, my my aunt, my husband's aunt, took me there. Drove us, we drove there at sunrise. In fact, on this post on my blog at lifeinthewhirlwind.com, um, slash podcast slash episode 14, I'm going to put a picture of the picture. I'm going to put up the picture that I took of the sun rising from, I was standing at the, uh, come on, Heather. Wow. I can't remember the bridge, the name of the bridge. My brain's really tired and jet lagged. You know, the famous San Francisco bridge. I'll remember it later. You know what I'm talking about? The red one. (laughs) Anyway, I'm standing at this bridge. I'm looking at this beautiful place. Um, I'm going to post some pictures from this trip. So go check that. Check out the pictures. All that to say, I'm in this cathedral of redwoods. And the silence is like a weighted blanket on me. And this is why I found this Henry Nouwen quote so brilliant. It's just like, my goodness, what is found in the quiet I found like hospitality, more, more hospitality, like more space in myself sitting in these woods. It was so beautiful. I can't, there are no words that I can possibly use to describe these things. Uh, There's a quote at the entrance of this cathedral of glory. And it's by John Muir, who is the guy who it's named after. And if you've never heard of Muir Woods, you should just check it out. Like Google it, M-U-I-R Woods, and check out his like biographical information the and the information, the history of these woods. It's just really cool. It's a very, very cool story. Um, all that to say, there's this quote by him at the entrance of the park, and it says this. The clearest way into the universe is through the forest wilderness. So... I thought that was kind of alluring and provocative and lovely. And I certainly found that in these woods. There's a similar effect. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like a redwood forest, or maybe you've been to Muir Woods, or maybe you've been to, like I've been to a couple of caves, limestone caves. So I went to one in Beirut last fall, in Beirut, Lebanon, and uh, I've been to one in Ireland called the Owlwee Caves. And... 
it puts things into such perspective. These things like these massive natural phenomenons, they put things into such perspective. Whenever I'm in these places, I feel totally small. And there's also this deep sense that small does not equal insignificant. So a redwood seed, which it's like contained in this tiny pine cone that's like the size of a flat, of a really fat blueberry. A redwood seed, these massive redwoods, they are the biggest trees in existence. They are contained, the seeds are contained in a pine cone that are a, that's about the size of a fat blueberry. Muir Woods was so hospitable to me with this perspective. It gave me this perspective that I needed. Um, so in Beirut, when I was in these caves, for instance, I want to tell you this really interesting thing. So they estimate that a centimeter, a centimeter of limestone, a, a limestone stalactite or stalagmite is representative of a hundred years of water drips on the limestone. Uh, it's like limestone water. So it like, it's like, it's hard to explain too long for this podcast for sure, but just look it up. It's really cool. But I'm in these caves with these massive growths, basically. It's like these caves of limestone growths and a centimeter is worth, is estimated to be a hundred years of dripping. That's not very big. <laughs> That's a, a centimeter is like three times my life almost. So it's amazing. It just adds such perspective. So this kind of place, this natural place is so hospitable. And Muir Woods was that place for me this week. And it gave me this chance to come home to myself and also to like the whole universe and kind of gave me this picture of this rooted in ancient epic realities and also this sweet newness and clarity. It totally renewed me. And, um, I think it dawned on me that this was like the beginner's mind. It was, it was like, I had never seen a tree before. It was like, I had never been in a forest before. That's how overwhelming the feeling was. I just felt that heaviness. It was so beautiful. I think one of the benefits of nature is that we all become beginners again. So if you're ever feeling overwhelmed or overworked or confused or overloaded or whatever that is out of balance just go find some nature go find some natural beauty and uh, you'll find some beginner's mind there bucket list item number two was I wanted to meet Irvin Yalom before I died or before he died whichever comes first and Irvin Yalom is this guy who they say, they say you should not meet your heroes. They are not always correct about that, whoever they are. Um, Irvin Yalom has taught me some of the most valuable things about being a therapist that I, that I know. He has taught me the most valuable lessons, the most intricate of considerations about how I do my life, how I do my inner working, how I do my counseling, but he's taught me about process. Uh, he's taught me about talking about process, like how to discuss what's happening in you and being truthful about what's going on inside of you, uh, in a descriptive way. 
he talks, he's taught me about curiosity. He's taught me about here and now, which is where I'm like very focused. If you know me, I'm very focused on the here and now. I'm very, he ta he's taught me how to be present in a really important way. And he's also taught me how to be a human as a therapist. Um, sometimes therapists can feel very distant and detached and far above. And that is just so not me. And <clears throat> I hope that if you're my client and you're listening to this, I hope that's your experience. But um, he's taught me so much of this. He's not the only one, but he's very influential in my life. Uh, as through his books and reading his books. A really good, if you are a therapist and you have not read the book, uh, The Gift of Therapy, I highly, I would say that is a book that you must read as a therapist. So there's my recommendation for today. So this week I saw Irvin Yalom. So exciting. So he showed up at this conference that I was at in San Francisco. I went to San Francisco for a three-day conference and I added a bunch of days at the beginning of it so that I could have some, some of this quiet that I described. So I could go to Muir Woods and check that off first, uh, among many other things. And Irvin Yalom was the keynote speaker at this conference. So I knew I had to go. As soon as I saw that, I knew I had to go. And he's getting older and I'm not sure if I'll have another opportunity. So I had to go. And he told us these things that he has never told anyone before during this keynote speech. It was amazing. Basically he was being, he was being himself. Like he was being, it was the same old Yalom, nothing surprising, but he was telling us these, you know, intricate stories and insights that he hadn't ever written down or told anybody before. So precious. When he was asked, the way the, the way the speech was sort of set up, he didn't give like a presentation. He was actually being interviewed by this woman who was arguably one of the luckiest people in the world to do this. Very lucky lady. Um, but they were sitting in these leather chairs, like classic therapist chairs, and she was asking him questions. She asked him a question about something. I don't remember what the question was, but he responded by not talking about what he knew about this thing, but what he had learned from his interns about that particular topic. I was like, I was just moved by that. Like how, I don't know. I, it's pretty hard to find someone as knowledgeable, brilliant, wise, experienced, etc., as Irvin Yalom. And instead of answering the question, about something he answered what he has I mean he's learned from his interns about these things he's able to acknowledge what he does not know in a way that was totally non-showy and equally radiant with <laughs> insight it's just oh what a great guy I love him okay he also told a story about a client where a client used an identifier word for herself that he did not know. And he just came right out and said, I can't, you know, I can't bluff this. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're going to have to teach me. And just that sentence, you're going to have to teach me. It's not our, you know, people who are less, who have less power in a relationship should not bear the burden of having to, uh, be the only teacher that, we have, but at the same time, 
taking a learner's posture with somebody is so powerful. And just that statement of, you're going to have to teach me this. You're going to have to explain this to me. I want to know what you're talking about. I want to know how you experience this is very powerful. And it's not just what he said, but it's how he was, how Irvin Yalom was at this conference that just reminded me that embodying a learner's posture and embodying curiosity, it surpasses knowledge. It really does. We spend a lot of time trying to know things. And I got to tell you, curiosity and the learner's posture, it outweighs knowledge, in my opinion. So why don't we approach everything with a beginner's mind? Maybe, I don't know. That I'm not even going to try to answer that. But here's the thing. Here's what we do instead. How many times, in order to avoid shame, perhaps, we have you acted like you know more than you actually do? Maybe you can think of an example. Why do we do that? What is that about for you? Why is it that we feel or feel compelled to know things that we don't know or pretend like we know things that we don't know. I'm not sure. It's very interesting to me. So I want you to explore your insides for a moment, if you will, with me. I'm going to ask you three questions, okay? Here's number one. How do you tend to think or feel when you know the answer to something? I want you to think and consider about that. I want you to consider this. I want you to explore that for a moment. What do you like about it? And what do you not like about it? When you do know the answer to something, what do you like about it? And what do you not like about it? Number two. Now I want you to think about this. How do you tend to think or feel when you don't know the answer to something? What do you like about that? And what do you not like about that? And finally, how do you tend to think or feel when you are taking a learner's posture? What do you like about the learner's posture? What do you not like about the learner's posture? Coming at something with curiosity, not knowing. And admitting that you don't know. So I want you to think about those three things just for yourself. Exploring your insides here. These questions are geared to raise awareness in you because I really think paying attention to these things as you're doing life is going to give you a very fruitful life. And I think it will, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with what you find in the state of awareness that you're pursuing here. So I want you to think about those things. Here's the invitation for this week. I'm going to jump right in here. I feel like this is abrupt. I don't know why. See, I'm noticing right now in myself, and I'm curious about why this feels abrupt to me, but it does. It does. I can't help it. Um, Okay, I want you to think about this. This is your invitation this week. I want you to think about something that you have generally felt quite certain about for a second. And maybe this is going to take some time. Like maybe this is going to take a week today. This week, you only have six days, people. So (laughs) you only have six days instead of seven to think about these things. 
because that's all you get with this podcast. Um, I'm joking in case you can't tell. I'm smiling and I'm laughing. Um, So I want you to think about something that you generally feel quite certain about. And I want you to take that thing either in your mind or actually it's better if you write them down. So if you, if this is something you can do, maybe you write these down, maybe you write these things down, but I want you to think about three curiosity questions about whatever that thing is that you have generally felt quite certain about. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's a subject. Maybe it's a country. I don't, I don't know. Like, really. But the criteria is, this is something you generally feel quite certain about. Like, you're like, I've got this. This is my area of expertise. Um, this might be yourself. Did I say that? This could be yourself. But I want you to write down three curiosity questions that you don't know the answer to. I want you to write them down. And I want you to just sit there with those questions. Whew. This is getting juicy, people. I'm, I'm inviting you into this. This is hard stuff. I know it doesn't sound that hard. It's like one of those things that's like super simple. It's like elementary in, in quality and yet, or no, not quality in like quantity, but it's uh, like lifetime worth of exploration, in my opinion. So go seek to ask those questions with deep curiosity and openness to learning something new about this thing that you have generally felt quite certain about. Um, This could be like a doctrine. This could be a, a spiritual belief. This could be, um, gosh, I mean, it's limitless. Like, like how trees work. I don't know. Like literally I'm just looking around the room here, like trying to think like, whatever it is that you feel you have figured out, go approach it with these three questions of curiosity that you don't know the answers to and just see what happens when you do it. And this is what I want you to pay attention to. The invitation is present, but here's what I want you to pay attention to. I want you to pay attention to how curiosity feels different than certainty. There's no better. There's no worse. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that there's a difference. And that I would really love if we could pay attention to that together this week. I want to bless you in this way. I would like to offer you my honor, my love, my admiration for you. That you have sought to see things that you did not see before. And that you continue on this journey. And I I am honored to be in this with you. I'm honored with those who have shared this kind of journey with me, what it's been like for you. And I also honor this, the work of this invitation this week of being curious about things that you have previously felt quite certain about. Thanks for doing this work. And I bless you with my honor and my love as you do this, this week. Hey, happy spring. It's the first day of spring. I don't know if you can hear the beautiful birds chirping. I have the window open. Happy spring. Please remember that spring, though it is full of fertility and generativeness, uh, as we talked about at the beginning of this episode, it's also, it's a heavy season. It's muddy. 
it's it's not a season that's full of lightness necessarily it's a transition time so transition mindfully my friends and uh we're doing it together thanks for showing up as always and i will see you next week next monday i'll be back take great care bye and as we move through our days cold wind blowing through we were speaking our brain